0: Okay, we're holding Mesachas Brachas, Periches Mishnah Base. That's 8-2. Uh, this is hands down the most difficult Mishnah in the mesachta. Um, if you're familiar with the rules, halachas of Tuma and Tahara, then you're going to get it. And if not, then uh, we'll give it our best shot. And if not, don't feel bad. You will get it the second time through Shas. Um, it bedeviled me for years, but uh, Hashem, we will try our best not to make it clear. Here is the, uh, the issue. The parak continues on now discussing machloks and disagreements between Bez Hill and Bez regarding the halachas of seudah of meals. This particular one is talking about the wine, the cup of one wine one might drink at the beginning of a meal. So let's call it Kiddush. Friday night, you make Kiddush. After you make Kiddush, you're going to wash and eat bread. That's how we do it. The question is, in fact, whether you should wash your hands to eat the bread before or after making kiddish. Now, everyone's going to agree, meaning Beish Hill and Beish Shammai both agree, that one must wash his or her hands prior to eating bread. That's not the topic of discussion. The explicit topic of discussion is simply what should happen first, should the hand-washing occur before or after kiddish? the hand-washing one must do in order to eat the bread. Now, to really understand the Mishnah and to come back to what it's talking about, we need some background. So, The very long story, very short, is that there are various sources of Tumah, ritual impurity, let's translate it that as in the Torah, and someone that is Tamei, has Tumah, can transmit that Tumah status. So there are a variety of different sources of Tumah in my schematic that I use in other Mishnahists. I say there are 13 different sources of Tumah in the Torah. I'll outline that another time. Um, What is important is that Tuma, a tame item. Let's say, for argument's sake, a dead rat. So, a dead rat is a sheretz, one of the source of tuma in the Torah. It's called an av av meaning a parent, a source of tuma. And if a dead rat comes into physical contact with something, so it can transmit that tuma status. Meaning, if a person touches a dead rat, that person will become what's called a reshon la a first degree removed tummy person. So. The dead rat, the sherets, is the av, the source of the Tuma. And the recipient of Tuma, in this case, is the person who touched the dead rat. He is a reshon, a one-step removed from the source of Tuma. A reshon the Tuma. Now, there are four different categories of recipients of Tuma. Adam, people, kalim, utensils. Some utensils are susceptible. as a masechah's Kalem, which is 30 prokim long, 30 chapters worth of Defining what can and can't become tummy in terms of, of utensils, but those that are, let's say a metal cup, for argument's sake, or a fork. Um, so that's other than Kalim, the first two. The third is ochlin, food, stuffs, can become tummy under the right circumstances. And finally, mashkin, drinks, liquids. Um, there is a machlokus rishonim, what falls in the category of mashkin. For now, let's just keep it simple and call it a cup of wine. More another time. So that means if a dead rat would touch a person, the dead rat is the Av, the source of Tumah. The person who receives it is a Rishon Latumah. Similarly, if a dead rat would touch a metal cup or a fork, that metal cup or fork would become a Rishon Latumah. An Adam and a Kli only can receive Tumah from an Av HaTumah, Midor According to the Torah law, if a person touches a Sheretz, he's a, a Rishon Latumah, the dead Sheretz. But if, let's say, for example, a dead rat touches the man, the man of the Rishon. If the man now touches his metal cup or metal fork, the metal cup or fork remains Tahor. There's no tuma to it at all, because um, a Kli, a utensil, can't receive tuma from a Rishon, only from an Ab, only from original source of tuma. That's true for other Mekalim, people and utensils. However, Othlin and Mashkin, food and, and uh, drinks, they can receive Tumah from a Rishon, which would mean that if the man who is a Rishon touched the fork, the fork remains Tahor. But if the man who is a Rishon touches a piece of steak, then that steak would become a Sheni, a second-degree Tame item. Okay, If that steak would then touch a liquid, meaning that Sheni, second-degree Tame steak would touch some wine, According to the Torah law, the wine remains tahor because regular foodstuffs called chulin, meaning we're not talking about truma, the kohen's portions, nor kudshim, sacrificial portions, those are not a discussion right now at all, but regular food, unsanctified food, can't become more removed than a sheni, a second read from tumah. And therefore, if the steak, which is a sheni, touches the wine, the wine stays totally tahor if the man who was a Rishon sticks his finger in the wine, the wine similarly becomes a shenila Tumah, a secondary Tumah status. Fine, that's how Tumah transfers in the simplest description, according to the Torah. Now, there are three rabbinic enactments um, regarding Tumah that are pervasive throughout the Mishnayas, and they come up again and again and again, um, so much so that uh they need to be mentioned when everyone gives an outline of the Allah of the Tum and tahara. Um I equate it to something similar to the way Muksa overhauls the laws of Shabbos, right? Muksa is just a durabanan, but Shabbos is totally different once you introduce Muksa into the into the framework because it's so pervasive and, and affects so much of, of the way when it relates to Shabbos. Um so there are these three durabanans that uh, that crop up all over the place and really kind of wreak havoc making the rules of Tum and tahara and its spreading much more complicated. The first is that banan a liquid that becomes tame, is a Rishon the Tuma. So that means in the example I gave before, the dead rat is the Av. The man who touched the dead rat, he's the Rishon. The man who touched the dead rat, who sticks his finger into the one, would make the one into a shani. That's the Torah law the Midurabanan, Banan, that wine is promoted to being a Rishon Latumah. And that's true whether the wine, the in the cup, or the water in the cup, etc., touched an Av, the dead rat itself, that would make the wine into a Rishon, or if the wine touched the man who touched the rat, meaning the man was a Rishon, the wine, which would be a Shani midurais, is promoted to being a Rishon Midorah the first degree, rabbinically. Or even if the thing that touched the wine was already a Shani, so that means the dead rat, which is the Av, touches the man, who is the Rishon, who touches the steak, making the steak into a Shani. If that Shani touches the wine, the wine is promoted to being a Rishon. A first of you remove Tumah, item, miduraban. <clears throat> the second rabbinic enactment is that a Tumay liquid can, rabbinically speaking, can render a Kli, a utensil, to tame. that is to say, I said midoraisa, according to Torah law, the only way a person or a utensil can become tame is if it touches an av hatuma, an original source of tumah. However, rabbinically we're saying that a liquid that's tame, even though it's a rishon l'tuma and maybe only rabbinically tame, meaning it could be midoraisa totally tahor, but rabbinically it's tame is a rishon, if that rishon liquid, wine for argument's sake, touches a cup. The cup will become Tame also. Um, the cup will be a Shani Latoma, one step down from Rishon. And an important rule for our Mishnah especially, is that the rabbis set it up that if the Tame liquid touches just the outside of a cup, then only the outside becomes Tame, but the inside remains Tahor. Okay, so if, and if the one that's Tame as a Rishon touches the inside of the cup, the cup inside and out becomes Tomei. The Tumma pervades the entire cup. Okay, so that's the second rule. The third rule, rabbinically, is that Stam Yedaim, hands that are not known to be clean, are considered to be a Shaini Latumma, a second degree Tomei Adam. Again, Midoraisa, a person could never be a shane Latumma. There's no such thing as a person being a second degree Tomei Adam. There was such a thing, to the truth is a Tefill Yom, but I'm not discussing that now. Um, and there's certainly no such thing mid of from the Torah of having a part of a person being Tami and a part of a person being tower. but that's what we're setting up here rabbinically. The third rule says that a person who hasn't washed his hands or doesn't know his hands to be clean, they have a status, just the hands, of being a La Tumah as secretary tumma source. So again, these three rabbinic enactments that you've got to know when you're understanding not just our Mishnah but Tumah Tahar throughout the place, Number one, a liquid that becomes Tame is automatically promoted to being a Rishon, a first-degree Tame item, regardless of what was Matamit, whether an Av, a Rishon, or even a sheni. Tavul is excluded for whatever that's worth. Second of all, <clears throat> a liquid that becomes Tame, even though a Tame liquid can never render a Kli, a utensil to be Tame midoraisa, Aisa, a Tame liquid Renders a Klee to become a Shane Latoma, a second degree of Tame status. And if the Tame liquid just touches the outside of the Klee, only the outside of the Klee is Tame, the inside of the Klee remains Tahor. Just as a slide point again, that doesn't apply to people. So a Tame liquid that touches a person, the person remains Tahor, but his hands could become Tame all over again because they became dirty. The third rabbinic enactment is that Stami Yadaim, hands that are not known to be clean are automatically a sheni latuma. Fine. Now, if you put those three rabbinic items together, you get quite a tricky situation, which is that any time that your hands, which have not been washed, touch any liquid, that liquid becomes a Rishon Latuma. And that liquid that gets mixed up in your kitchen can make whatever utensils that it touches into a sheni Lutuma Tameh all over again. Now, with that in mind, here is the discussion between Basil and Beisham in our Mishnah. What is unspoken in the Mishnah, and this is a funny thing that goes on with the next few Mishnayas, is Basil and Baishamah, while while they agree that you must wash your hands before eating bread, what they disagree on, and it's not spoken explicitly in the Mishnah at all, so you'd never know this. You have no chance of knowing this without me telling you or learning the Gemara of other Muforsham, is that the real machlokus here, between Beitzil and Shammai is not about anything I've said up to now. The machlokus is whether one is permitted to use a cup. Let's say to make Kiddush, where the outside of the cup is a Shein la where it's Tame. How you'd know that? You wouldn't know that. Even when you read the mission, you wouldn't know that. But that is the issue. Be Shammai say you may not use a tummy cup. Your cup on the outside must be tahor They're afraid that once you have a tummy cup, things could get out of hand, so to speak, and tumma could spread where you didn't want it to. Back to your hands, and then... Uh, and then uh, You'd be eating with tummy hands, which is forbidden because everyone agrees you have to wash your hands from tumma before you eat bread. Bezhelel say, using a tummy cup on the outside is not a problem. You're allowed to have a tummy cup. Now, with that machlokus unspoken here, explicit in the Mishnah, but that's the issue, Bezshamai is saying you may not use a tummy cup on the outside, a cup that's tummy on the outside, and Bezhelel says, yes, you may. So then, essentially, the chips sort of fall where they may According to base Hillel, since your cup on the outside is already tame, if you're making kiddush, you fill up your cup, wine falls over the edge, it's gonna touch the wine that touches the outside of the cup, which is already tame as a sheni, will make the wine into a rishon, which will make your hands that touch that wine that's on the outside of the cup, tame back to a sheni. And if you'd washed your hands prior to making kiddush, so then once you make kiddush, the wine will spill and be mitama your hands, and then you'll be eating uh, your, your meal with tummy hands. And therefore, Beis Hill will say, before you make kiddush, sorry, first make kiddush, and then after you make kiddush, since your hands will become, will become dirty and tummy, wash your hands, and make sure you dry them properly, which is always the halacha when it comes to eating bread. And then uh, you can have dry hands, and then your dry hands touching um, a dry cup on the outside, the tumah won't spread, because a person can't receive tumah Lutuma, nor can his hands, and therefore you'll be able to eat B'tahara. So, therefore, Beit Hill are going to say, since your cup is in the outside potentially, first make Kiddush, then wash your hands, and then make a moti, eat your Suda. Beis say, listen, the outside of your cup is always Tahor. And that being the case, you should first wash your hands, and then make Kiddush, and after kiddish you'll make a What's the worst that could happen? The wine will spill out of your cup when you're making Kiddush, but the wine is Tahor. The outside of the cup is Tahor, and therefore when the wine touches the cup, the wine remains Tahor, and if your hands touch the wine, your hands remain Tahor. And then when you make Hamotzi, you're making Hamotzi with Tahor hands. Not a problem. So that's straightforward. If you wouldn't wash your hands before Kiddush, what would happen is, you would have tummy hands before you're making Kiddush, because hands are always tummy before you wash them. Then when you make Kiddush, wine could spill out of the cup, and then, touch your hands the wine would then be rendered into a Rishon la'toma midzurbanan because it touched your hands which were shein la'toma and then that would make the outside of your cup into a shein la'toma and that's forbidden says bishon you can't use a cup that's shein la'toma and therefore you must wash your hands first before making kiddush so that's the whole mishnah outside here's the mishnah inside it says again 8, 2. First wash your hands, they're tahor, and then you should make kiddush. Mozgane literally means uh, pour or mix your cup of wine. Maziga means mixing probably with you know, wine plus water together, but we'll translate it as, as fill your glass to make kiddush. And the reason why you have to first wash your hands again is that when the wine spills out and touches your hand and that wine then goes back to touch your hand and touch of the cup, no tumul will spread because your hands are tall or because you wash them first. Ubeis hil omrim, no, a akos, they say your hands are going to be um, tame, that's fine. And your cup on the outside is going to be tame, that's also fine. So when you, when you first make kiddush, a akos, you fill up your glass, you make kiddush. So then, so what? The wine will spill out, they'll touch your hands, the outside of the cup will be tame, big deal, your hands will come tame, they always were, a big deal, no problem. Vacharkach. After kiddush, not only a dime, you go wash your hands, You'll make sure your hands are dry. You'll make sure the outside of the cup is dry. Those are, of course, required for separate points. And then you'll have tahor hands to eat your bread. Not a problem. And Beis Hillel aren't afraid that after you make Kiddush, you're going to go and splash wine a second time out of your cup um, and onto your hands and, and make your hands tummy because how often does that happen? The halakha, of course, in all these nice like Beis Hillel. Um, but uh, with respect to why some Jews, especially Jews, uh, Ashkenazi, of you know some German Jews, Yekke Jews, do wash their hands before Kiddush, and um, that is uh beyond the scope of this mission